Welcome to the Smiling at the Future podcast. My name is Christy Rose, and this is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, relationships, and singleness from the God-fearing men and women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Hello, ladies. God is so kind to bring us to another year that we can smile at because He is our Good Shepherd, guiding us each step of the way as we keep our hand in His and abide in Him so that He can live His life through us. We are kicking off this new year discussing pride and humility. As many of us have heard, pride is the root sin, but on the flip side, humility is the foundational virtue that all other virtues stem from. I have the great honor of having author and biblical counselor Stuart Scott on to discuss this topic with me. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Stuart. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart. It is a great honor to have you joining today to speak on the topic of pride and humility, which is something you have written about and taught on before. So very thankful for the opportunity, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners today. Well, thank you, Christy. And it is an honor and privilege to be asked to be on it and a joy to serve those who are listening. I grew up in a Christian home. I gave my life to Christ when I was 18, and the Lord graced me with salvation. I'm truly thankful for that. I was very, um, and this may help in the area of pride and humility when we talk about that, is I was very fearful of people. Fear of man was on steroids in my life. So I didn't say much. I was very quiet my parents called me shy, timid, introverted. (laughs) I just observed, listened a lot. I was fine with one-on-one, but not in groups. And uh, when God saved me at 18, I was uh, thinking how to serve God. And I thought, wow, go into forestry, you know, away from people. (laughs) You know, uh, my dad taught at Columbia Bible College at the time or International University now. And He said, why don't you come for two years and get some training, Uh, your gen ed, and then you can go into forestry, you know, maybe get a a degree in forestry. And I said, well, I'll do that. And those first two years were really life changing. Uh, I was burdened to know the word more uh, and to walk with Christ and to help other brothers in Christ grow. And they were wanting to help me grow. And so I, I, I just said, I, I, that's what I'm going to steer my life towards, discipleship, learning the scriptures, and ministering to God's people. I'll talk more about what happened when I went to seminary and I was confronted with my pride, uh, which was huge. I didn't realize it, but it was huge. But I, I can talk about that in a minute. Well, I went on to seminary, went into ministry pastoral ministry and uh, biblical counseling. I ended up being out on staff for nine years at Grace Community Church in California with Dr. MacArthur in um, the counseling department and over family ministries. And then I was teaching at the Master's Seminary and at the Master's College or University uh, at the time. And then I went 
to Southern Seminary to help set up biblical counseling there and went back to master's. And now I'm in South Carolina, Bob Jones University and Seminary, helping them set up a training center here in the area of biblical counseling. But I got married my last year of seminary to my wife, Zandra. We're celebrating our 43rd wedding anniversary in uh, two weeks. And we have two adult children and two grandchildren. And all all of those, uh, both children and grandchildren are out in California. So I I don't know. I, I just summed up a whole lot right there, but a little bit. And I've done a little writing, but... I just really uh, love the applied word of God to people's lives. So that's what I've kind of given my life to training in. Well, I I didn't know all of that in your experience, but again, very honored that you would come on. And Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to do it. The topic on pride and then the other side of that coin, humility, is something that everyone needs to understand and needs to grow in and pray about and ask the Lord to change their heart to grow them in humility. But it is, pride is something that is very blinding. It's very difficult to self-diagnose. We can pick it out so clearly in other people, but when it comes to seeing it in our own lives, we're just so blind to it. So I would love if you could help us identify, give us some ideas of how does pride manifest in our lives? And what are some symptoms for pride? Yeah, and you're right. It, it is it is blinding. People don't usually know that they even have it. I, but if you know theology at all, I mean, with the, the scriptures is everyone has it. It's just where is it and how much? And, uh, if we start there, then we're probably a good place theologically. But it is blinding. Even one of the words means to be hazy and blinded for pride in the New Testament, in the Greek term. But I, I listed, uh, and you're probably familiar with this, just with the, the booklet on From Pride to Humility. But I listed about 30 different manifestations of pride because twice it was brought up to me, actually three times. The first was a professor who asked me why I was so uncomfortable speaking in front of people. He could tell in, in a, a homiletics preaching lab. And I said, well, I'm thinking what they're thinking of me. And he said, well, that's just pride. And I went, what? <laughs> yeah, first, time, first time anyone had labeled my problem as pride. And then when I got married, I said, I was talking about someone and my wife said, well, that seems kind of arrogant. And I'm like, well, I know what that's pride. And so I was, I was, it was condescending what I was saying about someone. And then a family, a couple, older couple in a church that I was pastoring, uh, addressed my pride and they weren't happy about certain things. And I let them know that I wasn't really happy with them either. <laughs> and they, they, uh, they said, you arrogant young man. And I went, yeah, that's the third time I've heard that. So I better, uh, really study it scripturally, and then think through and ponder and meditate on how it might be showing up in my life. So on those that list of 30 different ways, I'm really familiar with most of all, all of them to one degree or another. 
but I, I can just touch on a few of them if you want. You know, when you think about pride is really the mindset of self. So it's, it's a very self-focused um, mindset. It's about me uh, pursuing self-recognition. It's what I like, what I don't like. It, it's me. It's like me on steroids. It's lifted up. Self-lifted up is pride. And so there's a lack of gratitude, typically unthankful. Anger is a real tip-off. Simple anger. I'm not getting what I want. And uh, when we see ourselves better than other people, uh, having an inflated view of your importance, gifts, and abilities, you think way too highly of yourself is what Romans 12.3 says don't do. Uh, or focus on the lack of giftedness. Uh, perfectionism is not a virtue. It's really a manifestation of pride. Everything has to be my way. For me to be content and happy, everything has to be exactly the way I want it to be. Uh, when you're around other people, uh, you talk too much. You know, it, it, it's about me. I, <laughs> uh, you're not drawing other people out. Uh, and then when you do talk, it, it is about yourself. When we seek our own independence, we want no one controlling us. So submission is a hard thing for someone who's proud. Uh, they, they want to be sort of like God-like themselves. Uh, they're consumed with what other people think of them. And that was me. I, I mean, that's the fear of man. Devastated or angered by criticism, being unteachable, uh, being sarcastic, hurting people with your words, uh, a lack of serving, a lack of compassion, being defensive or blame-shifting, a lack of admitting when you're wrong, or I find people will call it everything, but I, I've sinned against you, and you know I'm just stressed out, or they'll make all kinds of excuses why they were sinful in their attitude or actions. A lack of asking for forgiveness, or a lack of really praying because we think we don't need the Lord, or is uh, resisting authority and being disrespectful, which is, I mean, it's our culture right now, is is proud culture. Uh, voicing our preferences and opinions when you're not asked about for them. <laughs> you want everybody to know what you want and the way you want it done. Usually you see other people's sins and shortcomings and not our own. So they have the log and we may have a speck. So it's reversed what Jesus brought up in Matthew 7. Uh, being impatient and irritable with other people is just because they're not they're not doing things the way I want them to be done and or quick enough. Uh, being jealous or envious, uh, using people. I, I'm not sacrificially loving them. I'm using them for my own benefit. Uh, being deceitful, uh, using attention, getting tactics, not having close relationships, you know, because that takes work. Uh, you've got to deal with the messiness of relationships and that just takes work so you don't have many <laughs> or you have social friends you know the social media friends where you have a you know thousands of them but no one who knows you and, and you go deep with and have a close friendship and then i put etc <laughs> it's, it's just the many manifestations of a self-focus one of the points that really stood out to me from that list is the lack of prayerfulness. And I think that 
is a clue of thinking that we can do the Christian life on our own and on our own strength and not depend on the Lord, but he is our he is the vine and we have to stay abiding in him if we're going to accomplish anything with true eternal value. We don't want the the things that we do to be burned up as wood, hay and stubble. So we are dependent on the Lord's power to work in us and that takes a lot of prayer. A lot of time with him. There is another area that, and you know, the audience that um, this podcast has is are mainly single ladies, and so many of us are in dating relationships. How have you seen pride manifesting in singles and in dating relationships? Anything specific you want to bring out? Well, you want me to talk about the guys, or you want me to talk about... (laughs) You can touch on both. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little more familiar with uh, the guys on what's happening there. You know, reflecting back, the average age of marriage, you know, has moved significantly. Now, the average age of a guy now is 32, and the average age of a woman is 30, and, and that did not used to, that was not the case when my wife and I were married. It was, most were getting married in the early 20s. So it's about a decade longer now. And so now you're, you've got these want to be close, but not too close. You know, it, it's kind of a, a holding off any thought towards marriage. And, and it's really hurting the women primarily if they're wanting to have children. I mean, childbearing years, you know, you've got a biological time clock. And I, I'm just finding the, the self-focused, and so much of it is with the guys, is um, they like comfort. They like uh, no responsibilities. And as a general sweep now, you know, there's always the exceptions of godly men. But I'm just saying, generally, what I see a pattern is they like to still be boys. And rather than take on responsibilities of a man still playing video games, the average age of a gamer is 35. So you're just dealing with what what happened? You know, people were so responsible. And I'm thinking of my my dad's generation, you know, and that whole thing. And I'm going, boy, they were. My dad was married at 20 or 21, and that was typical. I just see this um, love of comfort, a love of, I don't want responsibilities. They like their creature comforts. Uh, There's a contempt. Some of the things that I see even with women and men on this one is comparing one another. Comparing has been going on for, you know, probably millennia, but it's unwise to do. It's pride. That is looking at other people. I'm dissatisfied with myself. I wish I could be like. So comparing, judging, contempt. But I I want the enjoyment of another person without the commitment. And that's just dangerous. You know, the whole sexual revolution, it's it's just dangerous. And people are using people rather than sacrificially loving them and making commitments and um, really uh, giving their life to following the Lord. You know, we know the, the gospel is that we no longer live 
for ourselves. He died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. The temptation is, well, it's him him sometimes and him on Sundays and him, you know, maybe for a devotion in the morning and the rest of the time is for me. That will just uh, perpetuate problems in our lives and in relationships. One of the, the words that you just said, uh, Stuart, was comparing, comparison. And um, I do see that uh, among women, especially it seems like there are more single women than single men, or at least single men that are, you know, quote unquote, marriageable or ready for marriage or wanting to take on that responsibility. So when you see someone else getting married, you can be tempted to compare of, okay, what did she have that I didn't have? And how did, and that's a dangerous game because we we know the sovereignty of God in that. And we, you know, we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and know that God has a different timetable possibly for each one of us and a different plan for what the good works are that he has ordained for each of us. Well, and it's hard because the desire, you know, if the person desires to marry, to have a companion and to serve God together with, that's a good thing. So it's a good, a good desire and can be offered up to the Lord each day. You know, I would really like to be married and serve the Lord with someone and a companion. But what happens is the thoughts keep dwelling on that throughout the day, and then it leads to discontent. And that it is a, a struggle. And as the days go by, the weeks, the months, the years, and you're going, man, this is... Uh, you know, what am I doing wrong? Uh, what do I need to change? What is it about me? Usually that that is not going to help a person to keep being a servant. You know, what is most attractive and should be to, to godly men and women is another fellow servant. Someone who's not really focused on themselves. Isn't, it isn't all about them. They just love people and they love the Lord. And that is just very attractive. Does that make sense? It's like two, two humble servants bump into each other as they're washing people's feet. You know, that, that kind of concept is like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here busy ministering to people. My, my focus is on loving the Lord and loving others. And you, you kind of see someone else who's doing the same thing and they see you and uh, if God is in that and meant to be, and that's the the time, uh, the right timing. So it, to me, that's humility. You know, humility is is just really focused on I want to love the Lord more, and I want to serve and love people more. And the less of me, and you know, may I decrease and He increase. You know, as John the Baptist said, it it, it that focus is very attractive to godly men to see a woman like that and for women to see a man like that. That's such a good point, the the freedom of self-forgetfulness. Andrew Murray in his famous book on humility, he brings that point out so often throughout his whole book. And I will link that in the show notes for the listeners. I highly recommend that everyone read it. It's It's short. It's about 100 pages. But he just talks about the more 
you're just, humility is just not thinking of yourself at all. You're just so occupied with beholding your wonderful Savior and how how glorious He is, and then wanting to, like you said, be a servant, have the mind of Christ, serve others, that you just forget about yourself entirely, and you're just kind of captured by this joy that you receive from the Lord, and then you can outflow to other people. So it's a it's a wonderful thing. I think people have a misconception about what humility looks like. And I'd like for you to to flush that out a little bit. What are what are the misconceptions? But some people think it's a shy virtue, that it's just someone who hides in the corner, doesn't want to be noticed, talks down about themselves. So yeah, I would like to know a little bit more about what true humility looks like and then how do we cultivate it in our lives. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a a lot in there in that question. And what was helpful to me, even with pride, is you see people occupied with themselves and boasting on themselves. But then you see a flip side of pride, which is this false humility. It's poor me. I can't do anything. I don't, I'm not gifted like so-and-so. And they can be very quiet, very timid, very shy, very introverted, but their focus is still on them. It's it's kind of the wannabe boasters, you know. It's like I wish I could uh, brag on myself. I wish it, it, they're still consumed with themselves. So that we have to really watch out for because people often, as you brought up there, can misinterpret that as humility. You know, I remember even as a kid taking piano lessons, and I'd be playing a something my parents would be sitting on the couch and they went oh that is really good Stuart you know that was really uh, I really like that and I go oh you know I can't play and they go oh no no that really sounded good oh no it wasn't that great you know and I'm going you know that now you know when I look back it was that was wicked you know that that was manipulative and yet some people think, oh yeah they need a lot of encouragement no you're pouring gasoline on the Flames of pride. So you kind of, that's that empty, false humility that is still consumed with themselves. And so with humility, when I looked at scripture, you know, Jesus is the perfect display of humility. I mean, he's, he was humility incarnate. So you, you read the gospels and you go, you know, he was not timid and shy and hid in a corner. You know, he, He's out, with, he's out with people. He's communing with his father. Uh, boy, he stood up and he would gather information and then he would talk to people, sometimes crowds, and he would talk to the religious leaders. And so Jesus is the perfect example of humility. But I, what also caught my attention was other huge, I mean, main leaders in the Bible were known for being humble, like Moses was the major leader of Israel. And it said there was no one on the face of the earth more humble than Moses. I'm going, well, wait a minute. You know, how do you be a leader? But he was humble. And John the Baptist was no one more humble than him. And I'm going, boy, he was pretty bold when I'm reading about him. But every one of them, men and the godly women, Mary was humble. I mean, you look at Sarah and others, they're, what stood out was that they're going to love the Lord 
And if it meant standing up for the Lord, they would stand up for the Lord. If it meant being quiet in a particular situation, they were. But they loved people. They served people. And again, that twofold focus, how can Christ increase and how can I love and serve others that the Lord brings into my life it is really the marks of humility. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So is that helpful? Is that, did that answer what you were asking or did I miss something there? No, no, I thought that was really helpful. And I, I liked the point that you were saying, you know, deflecting any kind of compliments or praise or just always beating yourself down or talking about your overly focusing on your sins or your shortcomings. I think sometimes believers can feel like, well, that's godly. And there's a place for that, but the focus is on God's grace and forgiveness. We don't just sit and wallow in our sin forever. I think it's also a good point to to make that we can't fix someone's pride. You know, it's really something the Lord has to do in their heart. You know, it can be tempting to, if you have someone who's always down on themselves, to always try to, you know, just always be building them up. And there's and there's seasons for that. There's seasons when people are needing encouragement and we're called to strengthen the weak needs and to encourage others. But if someone is just perpetually down about themselves and, you know, you always, been, you know, no, you're actually great. And, you know, always telling them that isn't going to fix that person's heart. It might be a little band-aid that they may feel good in the moment, but truly they have to understand who they are and who God is and and then, you know, revel in his great love for them and finding their their confidence in that, not in being great. And it's such a freeing realization when you can be free of yourself and free of trying to make other p- people believe that you are something great and special. I mean, that is a wonderful place when you know who you are, you're living in that reality. And that I think that's what humility is. You see things clearly for how they are. You understand who God is. You understand that you're a creature, that you're all sinners and needing God's forgiveness and grace. You're all on that, you know, same equal level with everyone around you. It's so well said, Christy. I mean, amen and amen. The part is we haven't arrived yet in glory. So we get that joy sometimes, <laughs> you know, like we're there. And then give us 15, 20 minutes and we're not there. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's growing. It, it, it's uh, from one degree of glory uh, to another, the scripture says. So it's just, I'm, I'm not arrived. Maybe, Lord, may it be more today than yesterday. But it's it just, you keep keep growing and that that attitude that you just described just more of him more about serving others and accept who god uh, has made you your identity in christ and i'm okay with that i'm okay with the strengths that he's uh, or gifts that he's blessed me with and and i'm okay the things i don't have and i'm all right with that it took a while to get there <laughs> Yeah. I I think it was C.S. Lewis who made that similar point. Um, I don't know if it was in the screw tape letters, but he he said you can, when you're truly humble, you can be equally as satisfied if you're the one who 
creates a, an amazing painting or does something impressive as if somebody else had done it, you know, because it's all God doing it in and through you, you know, what do we have that we have not received? We are just the stewards of everything God has bestowed. And so when you see someone else's giftedness or um, them serving the Lord in a certain way, you're not jealous of that person. You're just like, wow, look what God is so great. Look what he did through that person and how he's used them to bring him glory. And we can be just equally joyful if they accomplish it or if God uses us to accomplish something for his glory. Yeah, it, it's just a a sweet place to be, but boy, it does take work to stay there because pride is crouching at the door and ready to overtake us. Did you have anything else you wanted to share on that point? No, it it, it, it is so dependent on the Spirit of God. It, it is praying without ceasing. It really is. It's Lord, help me. Help me with this. Help me to focus on them. Help me to forget about me. Help me to rejoice with that, you know, being like a bride, bridesmaid, you know, I, I'm on another wedding and it's not me there at the altar, that kind of thing. You know, it's just help me to rejoice. Help me. It, it, in other words, you're like a squatter at the throne of grace. You just say, I'm going to camp out here because I need grace and help in time of need and I'm always in need. And I, I think that when we don't pray much, then then we're in trouble and i think you brought that up that up as well is then we're relying on our own strength and that's that's not going to produce humility now the booklet that you wrote called from pride to humility is part of a um larger volume called the exemplary husband so what would you encourage i mean we've kind of flushed out what does pride, what does humility look like? But when a woman is seeking a life partner, what qualities would she be able to identify in a man who is a humble man, who would be a good spiritual leader, but also humble in that? You know, probably a recommendation would be just study the godly men in the scripture. You know, study, I mean, Jesus was perfect and you're not going to, he's already ascended. You're not going to find another Jesus. But how he was with people, how he served, how he loved. He just wanted to be with people and he wanted to commune with the, the Father. It's just the, the disciplines of the godly life. But looking at individuals like Moses who cared for the people and he loved God, was a friend of God. John the Baptist, who uh, really loved the Lord and he loved people around him and even would Tell them, go after Jesus, not me. It's not about me. It's go go follow him. And I think sometimes those aren't the men that are out front. They're not the ones that are always your major leaders in the church. It, it, it might be, man, that guy, he's, he's just busy serving and loving people. He's not drawing attention to himself. But he's he's disciplined. Uh, the only thing that it said in Titus two chapter two about older men teaching the younger men to be self controlled, and so that is going to be a key element of are they self controlled or are they controlled by other things? And 
And that's a fruit of the spirit. It's a work of God in their life. But it's like when you meet them, they're, and, I, and I'm around guys like that, you know, at the different schools and where I'm teaching. And they're just on, they're on a mission uh, to know the Lord, to serve him, to be a part of the church, to care for other people. Just the mandates in their life, they're really seeking to try to do that. And they're, they're humble. They, they're not ever presenting themselves if they've arrived. Uh, they know they have a long ways to go. I mean, I know when I got married, Zandra was further along spiritually than I was. I mean, I, there was a lot of things that needed to be <laughs> really worked on in my life. And the Lord used, you know, the marriage and then uh, sanctifying agents called children to come along. But no one's going to say, okay, I'm completely where I need to be to be married. I, I don't know many people like that. So, you know, the godly women have to be careful of if they're measuring. I remember being on staff there at Grace Church. And I, I remember some of the secretaries even who would go, you know, I'm, they're saying no to all these different guys who were asking them out because they wanted to, they wanted a guy that looked like the pastor they worked for or like Dr. MacArthur. You know, they, their, their, their sights were too high. If that makes sense, like, you know, it, it took 30 years for that pastor to get where he's at. You know, um, you, you better just be careful. You don't want to lower standards, but you have to allow for everyone's a work in progress, depending on what age they are, and how long they've been in the Lord. I, I would just want to encourage them, give the guys a chance, get to know them sometimes and you you go oh wow we have a lot more in common than i thought it just it doesn't mean you're making some major commitment yet but don't turn i would just say don't turn guys down just because well they're just not everything that i thought someone might be and sometimes expectations as they say can be premeditated disappointments i mean we don't want to have too many expectations but want to marry a growing a lover of God and a lover of people. Yeah, excellent, excellent uh, feedback and points there. Some of the the points that I gleaned from your book was um, someone who's teachable and submissive to the authorities in their life. And I think that would be pretty pretty miserable to be married to someone who thought they were always right and weren't willing to accept feedback or um, counsel from others in the church, pastors, or even, you know, their own wife. So someone who's patient is, that's always a, a good quality, good character quality. And then, like you said, not arrogant, but someone who has a good, accurate view of their gifts and abilities. And just, we all know we're all learning. We are all a work in progress. Again, someone who is living in reality, um, they're not self-diluted, but they know that everything they have is from Christ. And again, we know how much work that is left in our own lives and hearts to, for the Lord to weed out those hidden areas of pride that we're not even aware of, but we know He is faithful 
to will and to work in us. And we are so thankful that it's not just up to us to try and reform ourselves, but that it is the Lord and his graciousness giving us the spirit and his word to transform our hearts from the inside out. But one way that we can kind of help us along in that journey is to read good books. And I love to read. I read quite a few books just in preparation for this episode. But I would love to know what books on pride and humility in particular that you can recommend to the listeners today. Well, I'd love to humbly <laughs> encourage the, 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 from pride and humility. And the reason is we put a checkoff sheet at, at the end of each section so that they can, people, when they read it, they can evaluate themselves. You know, where am I at on these Christ-like character qualities? And, and that can be really helpful. It's a self-examination uh, what the Spirit of God can use. But you brought up Andrew Murray's book, which is excellent on humility. Uh, Gavin Ortland has a book on humility, subtitled Joy of Self-Forgetfulness. Uh, Wayne Mack wrote a book along with his son, Josh, on humility, uh, the forgotten virtue. But there's not a, a, a ton of books. There's chapters. You know, you'll find like C. You mentioned C.S. Lewis and his book on seven deadly sins. He has a chapter on pride. And he called he titled it the complete anti-God state of mind. <laughs> I thought that's uh, well said. But you'll find chapters. You know, even with Jonathan Edwards, you'll find a chapter with Richard Baxter's. Um, he, he deals with pride as well. Uh, Thomas Watson in his book on the uh, godly man's picture. So you'll find chapters here and there, but those are a few of the books that I'm familiar with on humility. Okay. And again, I will link all of those in the show notes so the listeners can look at those, but highly recommend that this be something that we all pray fervently to the Lord to do in us. And it just, again, it's the, I, I think you maybe brought this out in your book, how it is just the root virtue. It is a virtue, but it's just kind of where all the other virtues flow out of this root of humility and and how important it is, how overlooked it is, because it's not a very flashy thing. You know, it's not like, you know, joy or some of these other virtues that are be more visible. Humility is really a heart attitude. And our goal is to be pleasing to the Lord from the heart and that manifesting outwardly in our actions and words. But it is something to to be mindful about, to pray about. I've so enjoyed my own study in this, and I want to just keep simmering in this so I keep that mind of Christ. And again, just studying Christ, like you said, our supreme example of what humility looks like lived out. And we're so thankful that we have his life and have the word and we can study him, even though we're thousands of years removed from when he lived. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a joy to have you on, Stuart, and I so appreciate your time. I'm excited to share this with the listeners and just uh, to see what God does with this and this truth um, that you brought to bear today on this discussion. So thank you so much for your time. 
Well, thank you, Christy. And, and again, I, I don't ever want anyone to think I've arrived or I have come close to arriving. I'm real familiar with from pride. <laughs> and I'm, I'm learning and growing with the humility. And I just want to encourage everyone. It, it is a process of growing and God gives grace to the humble. So when we're trying to love the Lord and love other people, that's exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And he gives grace. The gospel itself should humble us. And it just, he pours his grace into our lives to keep helping us to do those two things, to love him and to love and serve others. So I just want to encourage the listeners, it don't get down if you go, oh, I just thinking all about myself at that get together, you know, tonight. And I just really blew it. Okay, well, there's, there's grace to confess, ask for forgiveness. Next time, go with some questions to ask people. We just keep working at it with the Lord's help. Such a good exhortation. Wonderful note to end on. Thank you. Thank you, Christy.